0: Welcome back, everyone, to The Uncensored CMO. And this week, I've got a rather special edition for you. So I wanted to speak to Mark Borkowski, who, um, if anyone doesn't know, is one of the legends of the PR industry, particularly when it comes to helping uh, businesses and brands manage through crisis. So what better person to ask than Mark to get his advice on what we should be doing to respond to the crisis we face. Since uh, I spoke to him on the first occasion, the news cycle moved on so quickly and we seem to, you know, lots seem to happen. that I actually decided to uh, catch back up with him and record a second part. So what you're getting today are two episodes of The Price of One. We start in around mid-May, and I talked to Mark particularly about how coronavirus has impacted on uh, business and on society in general. And then in part two, we're gonna come back and uh, rejoin Mark post the Black Lives Matter campaigns around the world. You'll enjoy this. This is my conversation with Mark Bokowski. Welcome, Mark. Watch it, John. Good to speak to you again. You too. Things have changed a little bit since our last catch up, haven't they? How's your world different? It was a freewheeling chat we had of great positivity and hope. Quite without a doubt, true. Um, So, how's it, how the last few weeks uh, panned out for you and, and the team?
1: Surprisingly incredible, really. It's been incredible times. I made the decision to lock down as such. I made that decision a week before, allowing people to get to their homes in Ireland, in Wales, um, in various parts of London, in Sussex, me out in Gloucestershire. And we started working, and it became in the first week before lockdown, it became incredibly efficient. Um, we were talking more, we were exchanging ideas more. Not that we don't do that in a working environment, but actually having that discipline of returning to each other's company um, to check on work, to support each other uh, in the office. But actually, it, it shaped into something very different. Came Lockdown came, uh, we're ready to go, and our clients were certainly, certainly were catching up with us. Um, so, um, And this form of operation outside an office Um, I think is a fantastic template for the future. Of course, um, the entertainment side of the business, which is, you know, a five-man team, six actually, um, work just fell off a cliff. Festivals, releases, tours, theatre shows, television programmes, all were just gone. So, but then very quickly... Um, a number of people came to us with projects because of COVID and wanting us to, to communicate those. And so very quickly, I, I pushed the team uh, into that work. So no one's been furloughed. And one person stood back because she wanted to focus on her family um, who were coming home out of school and her husband was working. Another person wanted to just or be with her mum and didn't want to work. So we spent, uh, I've, I've recruited two people in this period and um, to date we've won four new pieces of business. all projects all related to Covid um, and um, some are returning clients, some are clients who were talking to us for a while have decided to go live. Other things have um, come to an end, very big projects have come to an end because people do not believe that they can launch these business ideas in the next two years, um, so uh, it, it, it's been um, extraordinary. And of course, you end up focusing on how you work and cost um, and efficiency. And um, this is it. The, the most interesting thing, John, was that two people approached me before COVID and said we'd like to investigate flexible working. We'd like to look at we think we could be more um, profitable at home you know we think we can work more efficiently um could we consider that and i said yeah sure we can consider that of course they've got what they wish for well the interesting thing both of those people or one in particular is the first person putting their hands up to come back when are we coming back to the office so um it's quite interesting you know about the discipline of working from home how you operate you know how, how, how you need the camaraderie of your, of your fellow workers. So it's, uh, but there's one thing that is single to this. There is no fear of missing out. There's no FOMO. So wherever you are, you know everybody else is in exactly the same position. And mostly people, a lot of people are focusing, and I think rightly so, on those you know, who are less fortunate, who, who do not have the ability of having a garden or a supportive family, or at home in a, let's say, a tower block in a metropolitan centre, trying to educate you know school kids, you know, um, or people whose businesses have crashed, or you know, who've been made. I mean, it's 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 a it's it's a tragic time. So I think we all need to be very focused on counting our blessings mm. and see how we can help everybody around us, um, because that's that's what's driving a lot of us you now.
0: I think that. He- I love, I love the, the community spirit and the generosity we've seen in the last few weeks has, has been wonderful to see. And one of the things I was going to ask you is, do you think it's changing how we see celebrities? Because I mean, if I just take my own experience, you know, I'm up every morning at nine o'clock with the kids doing Joe Wicks workout kind of thing. And, and that's been wonderful. And Jamie doing his school meals. And and so some celebrities that have offered to help and support, you know, are getting enormous kind of love back. And then you contrast that, for example, with Harry and Meghan and, you know, making their announcements that just seem out of step with the reality that we're all facing. Um, so do you think we're changing our relationship with celebrities or, or do you think just some are adapting to the mood better than others, perhaps? I
1: think there's, there's two ways of answer. I think in terms of crisis, actually, this is a short-term crisis. We, we don't know where this is going to lead if we think of major disruptions, and I guess the last one that was, if we're talking about this being a war against a disease with the second world war, that was six years of disruption, and then post-war period. These are, these are, this is a very short period of time, devastating, um, but short. So therefore, I think anybody making a pronouncement on, on the future uh, would be foolish. Um, But in trying to answer that question, I would say this, that celebrities are worth something, that that, that their celebrity status is because of the value and the love that is shown to them because of what they offer. And Joe Wicks is a classic example of that. Um, Lena 15 and his YouTube and the way he's used, um, you know, new media media to hack growth and who he is. I know his brother incredibly well, who's, you know, um, Nikki is a very smart guy in the background doing a phenomenal job for him. But he has value. He has value that he wants to share and his authenticity shines through. And despite some of the, you know, the, the, you know, the backbiting about Jamie Oliver, the fact he grew too big and his brand grew too big. This is very much bringing the celebrities back to who they are, and what they can offer. I think if you're, if you're someone offering, being very careful in in how you use your Instagram channel or you channel it, um, there's a number of celebrities. We, we we did a big event to raise money um, over a week for the NHS, which was an esports with lots of sports people. You know Ben Stokes and Dylan White all contributing by playing um, FIFA. You know and um, people watched the games and donated money, and um, there was all sorts of people willingly wanting to do something. You know for the NHS. Um, so I think that um, it's really about the sense of your value, who you are, what you do, and, and bleating and showing off your interiors and your garden, watching, that sort of stuff is going to crush you. But we are focusing on what matters, um, what people do, how they're contributing, what value is it other than you know, you know the sort of the stuff Matt Lucas has been doing is phenomenal. Stephen Fry. Um, Did an incredible online quiz last um, Saturday with 400 teams taking part, really cheering people up, people going online. I think there have been some people skewed in terms of wanting to help like Madonna and people like that, but yes, um, celebrity and what they've got and how they've accumulated on the back of their fame, driven by their fans, driven by the fans supporting them. If we're going to come out of this in, in in a deep recession, those values and those things, that social um, capital that is promoted, will not have the same value. It just won't. It's 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 about we're going to re- realise something is a value of us and what we contribute, and what we do, and that value process aligned to celebrity is going to cast out people who who who, who really have become famous for what. Um, Particularly through uh, TikTok or Insta or Snap or whatever, those people are not going to sustain. And of course, we've seen um, celebrities make some of the bad errors. Victoria Beckham, ill-conceived and thought of of furloughing people. Um, You know, Richard Branson's had a hell of a lot of stick. Um, I think a lot of it, you know, unjustified because I don't think people understand the economics of the business um rightly so business person is like tim martin who was incredibly deeply insensitive in the way that he broadcast how he was cutting back on his business mike ashley um there's been too many people who who really have been
0: deaf and blind um to how tough it is for people mm-hmm. no without question um, i know this is what you quite um we are this is the week after you know Boris uh, eased lockdown very slightly um and changed the the message for the government advice um you, you, i saw you were quite critical of it and what should they have done i think everybody wants to support the
1: government um everybody knows it's it's a tough challenge making the right decisions um but we're really beginning to see we're testing um the level of leadership and um, stuff in terms of the government you know if, if we think of the turbulence that we have been through in the last three years and the sort of sand bites and the images that have been used to um, to bewitch an idea particularly through Brexit and election we're, 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 we're left with people who I don't think who are particularly fit for the job um, I think the substance of a crisis and the Challenges of a crisis separates um, true leaders away from just a floundering pack. Um, I think that that the jury is out until after this, um, but I think we were doing a number of, of things really well, track and trace that stopped um, the pPE scandal um, this 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 tracing app, which is which will be released this week is is going in my estimation, from what I understand. Um, an absolute failure Um, the communicators I think there's a test the test should be the Piers Morgan test does my language can I face up to a harsh interview through Piers Morgan it was the same as we used to put up for does it pass a Daily Mail test does it pass a Jamie Baxton test does it pass a John Humphreys test and that's what we've got to do and I I think that there are It's testing times for government and I, I think government my, my criticism of, of last Thursday's announcement is the hype. If you hype something, if you decide to raise expectations, then you're going to have a downward spiral of confidence. and there wasn't the language was wrong, there was no substance there, and it was just a reaction to say something. But I think the, the 24 hours or 48 hours, however it was, between the two just showed how it should be done and how it wasn't done and We can't go out getting messaging wrong it's the tone of the language delivery by by um, by a country mile the most powerful communicator in this crisis is Rishishin. we love people giving away money that's for sure but his his presence his language his demeanor his script his preparation is phenomenal and his department and his people around him are doing all the right things. Um, you know, undoubtedly Boris has been ill and everybody's wished him well. And we now realise how ill he was. But, you know, people stepping up to the plate. I feel sorry for Matt Hancock because he, 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 he's a man who's been promoted to soon to a job that he's not really um, has the presence you know, to carry off. Uh, and the same with Dominic Rabb. Um, And all, you know, we've seen this stream of social media where everybody's slapping each other on the back, um, looking for successes, looking for propaganda, communication wins. You know, it's not joined up. The language is wrong. The positioning is wrong. And you can't lead people to expect something that they're not going to get. It is better to under promise and over deliver. And I think we're continually, I mean, whoever set this, this nice round figure of 100,000 tests a day, where did that figure come from? In my days of working in, 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 in for television clients, you know, you know if, you, if you would dare predict what you thought was going to be an audience for a program and you got it wrong, you, would, you were crucified by the tablets. So, you know, you could, have, you could have given a good example of a figure that was much lower than that and you could have kept apart. It, 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 so I think it's I, I just think there's, there's, there's something that there's, there's clearly a government not fit for a crisis and the figures uh, suggest that might be the case um, so but I wouldn't like to be doing that job I wouldn't like to be in the centre of this so it's all well and good for me to be you know um, giving my critique from the sidelines that's easy mm-hmm. to do um, So I, I do respect a lot of people trying to do the best thing, but there are one or two simple things, and it's the simple things that you get right that give you the belt and braces yeah. and the crisis to, to, to manage it.
0: I mean, I, I mean, again, I, I I'm in the industry, but not really, really close to, to sort of how the PR machine works. But it, it felt like in the last week there was a loss of control behind the scenes in terms of some of the messages that came out, the changes in tone, the fact that. Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland are doing something. Their messages have stayed the same. They haven't moved. Has there been, you know, behind the scenes, do you think there's a bit of loss of control? We're not moving in step?
1: Well, no, I I don't think there's any loss of control of the scenes. I think it's it's a crisis. It's reshaping every day. Um, I think social media and Twitter doesn't help. Um, There's a million critics for you. Um, there's very powerful influencers, Piers Morgan, who is continually holding the government's feet the fire. Um, there is a different way of communicating through these, which again came late. These these daily briefings, um, and I think that um, we're struggling in a war where you know the you know a certain number of the population. Um, feel they're immune to this and want to get back to work and the vulnerable you know are expendable and that's what it seems to me in some ways so you know everybody's got an opinion everybody's got a channel to offer that opinion um and uh, everybody has an ability to throw out people's mistakes so i think the challenge is of if you're using as a research tool um twitter and, and the noise that comes across social media then that would be rather foolish but you know clearly there are other metrics how uh, they're using, there's other statistics. But, you know, throwing statistics out all the time which you do in war is very difficult. Well, I thought Rory Sutherland's quote was genius when he said that over the first couple of weeks that if the, the level of which the government was communicating and moving and the mood in the country um, you know, through social media, um, Hitler will be walking up the mall in the first three days. Um, so it, it, we don't have the same sort of control. Um and that's part of the problem. So it's not whether the comms is, is 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 rival or false. It's it's more about the forces that is influencing
0: the decisions to communicate. Mm. I mean you mentioned Piers Morgan and and it's been interesting to see no government minister has gone on good morning uh for what about two weeks now. Is, is that a is that a good thing or a bad thing from the government's point of view? Should they be should they be fronting up or do you think they're just trying to avoid taking him on?
1: I don't think there's anybody in the government who is uh, able to take Piers Morgan on and that's a decision they made. It would be an absolute disaster to front him. So therefore, they're throwing junior heads and watching junior heads roll. He is very, very good as a journalist. But I wouldn't be... Uh, I wouldn't be putting
0: in- <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't even put Rishi out there. He does seem to like Rishi, doesn't he? But, but
1: but I
0: would use it as a test,
1: I would use it as a hypothetical test. Um, and I'm sure they are. Um, but anybody senior is absolutely going to be arrested. Not because you know, some people have said about peers, it's all about him increasing his followers. I think he, I mean, I know peers, I've known him for many years. And I and I and I and I like I like I'm I'm on the like of his his marmites and I like I might like him.
0: Totally agree. Are you seeing? So obviously, you speak to a lot of your clients. Are you seeing any change in sentiment or hope uh, as as we look ahead?
1: I call it the Monday morning call when I speak to most of my clients, um, four of which are some of the biggest entrepreneurs in the country. I've noticed a diminishing. And a diminishing confidence on each Monday. Um, it sometimes picks up by Wednesday or the end of the week. Um, they are struggling to see through the fog and worrying about how their various businesses are going to in- in- exist in in a future economy. I always say to them, "Don't borrow worry. You don't know."
0: Um, so what what um, what would be the one bit of advice you give uh, to help get through this period? Number one self-awareness you know really think very carefully
1: about your tone and your voice and any messaging or any thought of messaging inside of it. particularly personally um secondly how can they contribute how can they help what can they do thirdly pivoting um focusing every energy on in pivoting a business one of my clients is ryan Howson, who has stay sure one of the biggest travel insurance businesses. I've watched him with awe from afar of how he repivoted, thought about his business, thought about his own personal profile, and thought of people outside, thought about his audience, thought about his customers. It's awesome. He's live to that and puts a lot of energy. Sit on your cash and keep your cash if possible. Importantly, look after your look after the most important people, your your employees, your workers, and then your customers. What are you giving back to those? How are you helping them? And what are expectations? Um, I think Twitter said today that all their operatives, all their people can work for man forever now, I think. And, um, you know, stay calm, um, stay strong, and um, really think about whatever putting your first foot forward. Um, And if you do, um, don't, don't use electronic communication to fire out thoughts. Keep a group of people around you you trust uh, and help you make those decisions. Um, and I think, know that this has got a long way to run. Don't expect and don't rush to anything at this moment. Um, be so grateful for everything you've got um, and, um, and, and, and think of those that haven't. And I think, you know, and, and be strong. Um, and that's I think has been the consistent message I've actually had in conversations with most of my clients um, and um, you know it, it, it seems to um, be the most sensible stuff that, that, that I'm even borrowing myself um, so if I, if I conduct myself in that way um, then so should my clients
0: As you'll have gathered from listening to my conversation with Mark, we were recording this in around mid-May, just at the point where uh, Boris was due to announce easing of lockdown. And in fact, even then, uh, we haven't even had the entertainment that was Dominic Cummings going for an eye test at Barnard Castle yet. And of course, what happened afterwards was the tragic, tragic killing of George Floyd and the consequent Black Lives Matter protests. So I thought it'd be only right and proper to get Mark back on and ask him how he sees, you know, what's happened since then impacting on us. And it's a real lesson as well in just how quickly and how fast the news cycle moves on. Let's uh, get back to it. Let's uh, reconnect with Mark and hear from him now. Well, one of the things that struck me, but when when we met for the first time back in January, and um, do you remember we were chatting about Caroline Flack and you said to me, the, the the real tragedy here is that in a week's time the news cycle will have moved on and something else would have happened and we'll, we'll all be talking about something else so clearly since we last spoke you know the terrible terrible uh killing of george floyd has sparked you know a big reaction uh particularly in the us and uk and i just wondered what your thoughts were on what how should we respond because there's a lot of uh, sort of signaling going on and not necessarily a lot of action but what would your advice be to um people government brands who are thinking about how they respond in light of the fact that the news cycle does move so quickly so um i was, I was struck by a comment you made about the trumpification of news you know that that you know uh, kind of not responding and waiting for the news cycle to move on seems to be a tactic the government you know deploy quite a lot uh,
1: i was blessed at the beginning of my career to work in one of the poorest um Neighbourhoods of London Newham, at one of the most radical theatres, the Theatre of Stratford East, with a, quite a phenomenal genius of a, of a guy, Philip Headley, who was a disciple of Joan Littlewood, who created Theatre Workshop, was based there. And uh, Philip, back in the 80s, when I was there, it was still, we we're living, you know, post the winter of discontent. We were in the early days of Thatcher, and we had mass youth unemployment. We had um, the disintegration of the unions. We had the coal fields being ripped up and miners being crushed. And uh, we were responsive to our local audience. our local audience is predominantly black and Asian. Um, so for me, working my first one of my first freelance clients was a black theatre cooperative. Um, you know we were I, mean, I can't tell you some of the remarks that were passed to me by broadsheet newspapers not the Guardian who I had uh, all the time but other broadsheet newspapers and papers when I suggested that their critic should come down and see some radical black theatre um, was was shocking for me. Um, but it did some remarkable work and um, you know <clears throat> Mustafa Matura, Trevor Rowe, um and it went on to see Charlie Hansen produce the first black sitcom no problem uh, that went on to the Desmonds um and I saw quite a lot of uh, movement and change in the localized set, and I, I and I could see that going basically into a hole because it was, you know, there was institutionalized racism that existed and it and it has existed it hasn't gone away. Um, but there was change, slow change. But you know, people have been patient and it's not happening. Um quite interestingly recently, the history of Stratfordese has been you know, redefined by the incoming director there, Nadia Fall, who seems to miss that huge chunk of diversity and and, and, and work to bring on young black writers, young black performers. I then went on to, you know, to launch Revon Brewster, um, the first black theatre at uh, the Cochrane, designed, redesigned, refitted by a black architect um, back in the um, the late 80s, early 90s. So I've seen a lot of things firsthand, you know, um, be very close to that. I want to be very cautious now, you know, here I am a, you know, pale male, stale individual. Um, But there's a whole generation that's come up that probably don't recognize there has been some movement, not enough. And, uh, you know, the right wing press call this the cultural wokey Taliban. you know, George Floyd was shocking, but how many other things were shocking? You know, the death of Martin Luther King was shocking. There has been other crimes against, um, you know, sort of uh, black uh, and, and uh, mixed race people in America that carries on. You have an institutionalized racist president, you know, who, who would not declare against the Ku Klux Klan. Um, and we sort of accept these things. They come in waves and in and out and whatever. I hope that the fundamental change, you know, does happen. That Black Lives Matter does sustain, and it doesn't become an opportunity for certain brands to pick up and become very wokey about it. You know, you know, I know quite a lot about Colston. I knew quite a lot about the movement to change, you know, uh, and and pull down the Colston statue. That has years of opportunity to do that was being not taken. Bristol has been built on, on the blood of the empire um you know plenty of icons there so we see it all around us and we we we've drawn nelsonian blunt eye to it um for me there's going to be a lot more done for the black community and the asian community the bain community without a shadow of a doubt and you know covid is attacking the bain community you know in a, in a, in a terrible way uh, but for me it, it's about one significant thing it's throwing down ladders you know how do we break these these middle class bubbles and for me, it starts with education. It is about education, education, education. I think you know, free education, you know, state-run education is massively lacking, you know, investment. You know, teachers were lauded as being the inspirational figures. And I am here because of two specific inspirational um, teachers who, who taught me. I went to a state school, a comprehensive, I didn't get to a grammar school, um, but I was in tiny classes. Um, I think my upper sixth year, there was three of us. Um, so the attention we got was phenomenal. And the inspiration that those two guys gave me is why I'm sitting here, no doubt about it. And I, and I screwed that up too, but that's another story. But education, we've got to do it. And actually for me, yes, Black Lives Matter, um, but, so the, but the biggest challenge we have in this country is poverty and austerity. And until we start investing in poor communities, and the legacy goes back years, years to... And we now have, you know, a three or four-tier economy. Yes, there are fantastically successful Black entrepreneurs um, that perhaps could do more of a voice, could be more of a voice, less of an academic and media figures, more of those. Um, and I think we have to look at the poorest in our society in terms of family values and education, and where they live, and how they live, everything from, you know... That, that is fundamentally because we, we've, you know, we've got a dangerous tinderbox here of the likes of uh, the English Defence League and the rampant fascists like you know Tommy Robinson, who will spin on this and will get into the hearts and minds of dispossessed white kids in some of the poorest parts of the Midlands, Northwest, you know, who also need a huge amount of help. And um, with Marcus Rashford this week giving a voice to the free meal sort of program and then everybody jumping on the back of that and saying oh it was us it was us it was us you know you know it we 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 are in our bubbles and we are products of the environment that we're conditioned by and if you're living in you know and and the poorest the poor has suffered under covid um, because you know they can't afford a meal they're living in perhaps some cliche tower block or, or housing project like a Grenfell you know with no green space and with kids running around the home and locked in I mean it's not like you know lucky and privileged people yes white privileged people like me who've got two acres of land to run around so you know is what we do to respond that so I think we do have to start investing in our poorest people and actually looking at providing education and ladders and opportunity, obviously for the BAME and the black community. But also, we need to not sweep under the carpet those that are being ignored from the poorest community of the post industrialized wastelands. That were that, that, that lost their sense of purpose, and hence that's partly what Brexit is about, this sort of expression that if we get out of Europe, we go back to this. Um, and it's emotional, it's not logical, and we're seeing the political agenda, we're seeing communications running on an emotional level and a reactionary level, and there is no time because social media as a comms person doesn't give anybody a time. Sit back and consider and that is sad Um, and that is going to it's going to take you can't fix these things over time as I said we started to make inroads and we just seem to go backwards um, particularly through the 90s Um, and you know it's this forward motion and this forward change that we really do have to focus on and be, be drilled
0: by. Mm, i really agree with that 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 makes so much common sense and i I think by focusing on the economics of it we're we're, we're tackling the underlying issues that 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 cause all this i think rather than just focusing on race you know focusing on the kind of causes of you know where we are now
1: we do have to focus on weight race yeah there's a balance isn't there we all have to pull ourselves up and consider whether we've got the white supremacy complex Mm. and um but it John, it's so difficult to have a debate now because there's so many people screaming at you. And uh, I was listening to uh, Russell Brand take on a, I guess some people, I think it would be foolish to describe as a black Katie Hopkins, a woman called Candice Brand in America. And what I would, you know, I I find some of her views um, uncomfortable, Um, but at least Russell Brand was having a reasonable condition forthright, robust debate. And I've sent the link around to everybody to look at, not because of what he is saying or what she is saying, which obviously I, I fundamentally disagree with. Um, but it's, it's someone who is allowing someone to speak and having an open conversation, allowing people to listen, without shouting, without screaming, without levering equal emotion back into it. And in concerns particularly in crisis it's going to be calmness and not listening to it and, and social media has driven a lot of the agenda the government has managed to hide away um and there are various people like piers Morgan, putting people's feet on fire and there's marmite some people love him a lot of people love him at the moment a lot of people hate him in equal measure um but um we, we've lost that We've we we've we've lost we've we've lost some sense and reasonability because if when you try and be sensible and reasonability, it's coming from you and your social standing and your brand persona, whatever the bollocks is, you know, you're immediately shut off because no one wants to listen to you, and it's particularly relevant in the in the in the trans debate at the moment. And I'm not even going to comment on that, but I'm saying It seems to be impossible to have a reasonable debate from either side because there are so many things and you are by even raising the subject um conditioned by and um by your own feelings around it more importantly you're under a microscope we're under a microscope now um for everything we do perhaps rightly so
0: it, it does feel, though, that, that our inability to have a reasoned debate and discussion could be the biggest problem we face as a society, I think, because you, you're so right, is that it, it because every viewpoint on the opposite end gets jumped on and cancelled and, and you know, the, the, the noise gets turned up. I mean, what one, one that I've personally kind of been trying to think my way through is clearly Black Lives Matter in lowercase is something that you'd... I'd be shocked if anyone didn't agree with that. I'd be really genuinely shocked. But Black Lives Matter capitalised the political cause and some of the things that are being advocated for um, by the political organization. I don't want I wouldn't want to sign up for that. So, you know, detangling, you know, trying to have a nuanced conversation around the kind of moral imperative to, you know, make sure that we wipe out racism is absolutely right. Doesn't mean you have to sign the whole sort of Ten Commandments of, of the movement. Sort of thing. You know, it's, it's things like that that I think people seem to be incapable of separating out in discussion.
1: I, I, I think that social media has had a profound and indelible impact in many unseen ways. Um, because I, I've seen people with probably 10 followers on Twitter put a huge amount of effort over a period of time into voicing. Their views and their opinion. Um, And it's important to them. Now, um, the fact is that's 10 people they're broadcasting to in ultimately. But of course, they feel they're part of a bigger conversation. And they feel that their voice, which arguably does matter, has is heard. And so therefore everybody dives into it. And when you get into a granular thing, like your little communities around your Facebook groups, then you're locked into these bubbles. And it's these, it's these myriad of bubbles that are are swelling up. And I always say to people, break your bubble. Listen to alternative, you know, don't don't knock the Daily Mail, read it. Don't lock talk radio, read it. Understand what is being said by groups of people. People look at uh, Katie Hopkins and say, oh, she's awful, which she is. Um, but she's doing it for, for, for a voice, you know, and clickbait. And, you know, she has a lot of people who support her. And these people, and when you look at the level of which some of these voices support it, you've got to then take a view that actually, inside my bubble, am I right? we're all right. Everybody's wrong. Um, And this is what has happened over the last 10 years in terms of growth of social media. I went on many and many anti-racism march when I was a kid in, 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 you know, sort of in the late 70s. You know, it was such a passion for me. And, um, you know, arguably, what have we achieved? Whether the BMP has been replaced by the English Defence League, we are still seeing that. We are still seeing that level of racism that existed. You know, we're not forgetting Dagenham, um, not far from where I worked. You know, two members of the council were elected um, to on the BMP ticket. You've got to have so much energy not to give up. And some of the great entrepreneurs I've worked with. know have been on a big journey and they don't keep up and they wake up every morning and they they are thankful for where they are but they're actually thinking what can i do today how can i live today and our lives are so brief you know it's an instant for for me i don't know where 30 years of a career has gone um and um you know i think of all the things i was doing a set of creds um, for a piece of work this week and I was stretching back and look at all the stuff I've done, and it's sort of meaningless now because there's people in my working for me at the moment weren't even alive when these campaigns were taking place, and the brand has been dead by the time they've reached in their twenties. So, um, it is so
0: ephemeral. It yet, is, isn't it? It's good to it be reminded so of that, cool. isn't it, Mark? I think you know, to make make it count. You know, make 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 what we do really count. This
1: is what I was saying. Post COVID, it is we've re- really look at true purpose true value death of mediocrity the death of frivolous idiotic ideas are meaningless you know and we still have some of the biggest challenges that's still upon us climate change you know and globalization
0: i think what you just said there would be a wonderful manifesto for for, for brands to really engage with make it make it count just make it sustainable make it matter Um, and make a difference, I think would be amazing. I was gonna ask as well, um, you did a lovely piece this week on Marcus Rashford, and I I think that's an example where social media has been used for good, and where celebrity status has been used for good as well, which I think is a wonderful example. I mean, the value he's bringing to society by highlighting a problem, using using his platform, and doing it in an authentic way. I think there's a lot we can learn, isn't there, from just how he conducted himself, and how how we respond to to him? Yeah,
1: I, th- I think I think I've um, again, you know, looking back, I've done a lot of commentary on Brand Beckham, on the Wayne Rooney's uh, Luis Suarez biting incidents, uh, the late Lionel Messi Brand versus Cristiano Ronaldo Brand, um, the, the fame and fortune of of uh, John Terry and some of the kerfuffles he got involved with and the countless um, trysts of footballers on the front pages of uh, the old Sunday tabloids. And uh, the same with cricketers and, you know, the Botham's down down the years through to Jeffrey Boycott or whatever. Um, athletes, what do they stand for? You know, 2012 Olympics and all sorts of that. And what, what interested me is that there was always seemed to be a thread that judge us on our performance on the field we do not want to be some icon in society and a lot of the african footballer footballers you know george weyer didier Drogba, you know to name just two do incredible work back in their home countries where they know where they've come from and they know their stature how important the african nations cup is to them in terms of their their success. And I think footballers were the same, you know, you used to say in East End, you know, you're either a, a boxer or footballer or you're, you're Ronnie Cray. So um, I think that um, what we're seeing is at last, the likes of Raheem Sterling, um, the likes of Marcus Rashford, are talking about their personal experiences. Because of COVID, perhaps they haven't got the same Strictures on them at the club and the agents' demands don't be political. Certainly, I think if if you know that was part of the reason Beckham fell out with Alex Ferguson is because of the amount of work he was doing on his own brand. Um, but it is about their life experiences both through racism and poverty, and how they remain close to their roots and having a voice for that. And I'm sure around Marcus Rashford, the whole um you know sort of you know um, campaign had a substance and a form before that he gave it that but to me that's what celebrity is about how do you how do you take your fame and create a better example and i'm not a massive fan of gangster rap um, and some of the glorification of some of the sexist and and, you know and deeply misogynistic nature of gangster rap but there's a lot of kids who, who, who do respond to these but Storms, you know, you've got to look to him and think of—he—he's created that education legacy. Um, you know, people like—you um, um, know, Jay Z and Beyonce, you know, you stand for something, you know, both politically. So I, I think that you—you've got to grow a pair, and you've got to be aware now that <laughs> celebrity has a legacy that you have to fulfil, and you. You, you, you've always got to recognize, and I always to say it, that you are, you are a hero to many kids of the same age who'll look up to you doing amazing things that on a football field. Um, but you have responsibility. And that's always been, I don't want that responsibility. Well, people like around Sterling and people like um, uh, Marcus Rashford are beginning to, res- you know, are beginning to show other people that you can do more and I think it's changing and you know, all that money that is floating around the in the, the world of football, um, and whether or not you're 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 in your Ferrari, there's a lot of people are just um just just in in, in, a, in a in a in a in a in a terrible way and you're you're from there. That's where you've come from. And and um so I, I hope that other celebrities um can look at this and think about the re-engineering of what their influence can truly deliver.
0: Mm. I love that. I that's, that's absolutely spot on. And I think I think brands can learn a lot from that as well, in terms of uh making sure that what they do counts and that their purpose is is more than a statement on Instagram. It is actually real and sustainable and long term and you know actually making a big difference too. Um and I so think that's, that's about int- leadership
1: too John I believe I think it comes from the board it comes from the CMO it comes from the CEO it comes from the chairman I think you know um, the board of a of an institution the business you know you know clearly got shareholder value to consider um but there's a new there's there's a new quadrant
0: yeah
1: as value so um it, it's, gotta, it's gotta be it's gotta be top down
0: it has to be. I mean, one of the lovely um, publications I often quote is the long and the short of it, the importance of balancing your time and effort on the long, even more so than the short, because it's easy to get swept up in the short-term news cycle and and you know what's going on now, but actually it's the long-term where you're going to make a big difference. And, and I think brands very – I think the data shows that brands very often miss the long-term, what they're doing, and that success in the long-term is – you know, is far more important and those that balance their resources against the long term do better. Listen, mate, that's been a really good conversation. Thank you. Thanks.
1: Thanks again. Take care.